The first is from Matthew, chapter 27, verses 62 to 28, 20. The next day, the one after preparation day, the chief priests and the Pharisees went to Pilate. Sir, they said, we remember that while he was still alive, that deceiver said, after three days I will rise again. So give the order for the tomb to be made secure until the third day. Otherwise, his disciples may come and steal the body and tell the people that he's been raised from the dead. This last deception will be worse than the first. Take a guard, Pilate said. Go make the tomb as secure as you know how. So they went and made the tomb secure by putting a seal on the stone and posting the guard. After the Sabbath, at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled... (coughs) Pardon me... (coughs) rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, do not be afraid for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He's not here, he has risen just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples he has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. While the women were on their way, some of the guards went into the city and reported to the chief priests everything that had happened. When the chief priests had met with the elders and devised a plan, they gave the soldiers a large sum of money, telling them, You are to say, his disciples came during the night and stole him away while we were asleep. If this report gets to the governor, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. So the soldiers took the money and did as they were instructed. And this story has been widely circulated among the Jews to this very day. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptising them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. 
And then from Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 to 17. Since then you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must also rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body, you were called to peace, and be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Well, good morning. The Lord is risen. He is indeed. It's a wonderful day. There are several blank spots in my memory of the day that I married Noreen. Um, it was a lovely day. The sun was shining. There was a light breeze. It was very sweet. I remember that much. The service happened, but I can't remember a single thing about it. Um, I, apart from the roasting that the minister's wife gave us men before the service started to warn us not to get up into any hijinks, not that we'd planned any hijinks, but she was on our case. I remember also after the service holding the envelope um, after the, um, afterwards which held, uh, I was told, the certificate of our marriage, and, uh, but I don't remember actually getting married. 
someone took a photo of us at the alleged service. Here it is. Here we are. You know, I was so nervous that day that my memory of some critical moments uh, are just completely blank. Um, the service, my speech at the reception, all that is gone. I have no recollection at all. But it happened, and I do know that. I was united to Noreen in marriage. I just need to pull out that marriage certificate from the envelope, which I've still got, for the evidence. And there in black and white is the statement and all our signatures and the two, that the two of us are united in marriage. Whether I feel married or not, we are. I've had to learn to live a new life as a married man, um, as all married men need to do. I'm not a single man anymore, I'm a married man. Life has changed. Well, today is Easter Day, the day we recall that Jesus Christ rose alive out of the grave after being executed two days before. In other words, we're saying Jesus Christ is alive today, not just in our memories, he actually is alive. He is not among us, but in heaven at the right hand of the Father. This very day, he lives. The Bible says in another place, just to explain the importance of the resurrection, the Bible says in another place that the wages of sin is death. On Friday, we're reminded that Jesus took away the wage of our sin when he died for us on the cross. He could do it because he was God in human flesh. We don't need anything more than what Jesus did for us. He asks us simply to trust him. Now, often we just leave it there. We're glad that Jesus died for us. And we wonder what to do about the resurrection. What was that really all about? Maybe it's just the happy ending that uh, the test audience uh, wanted inserted at the end of the um, story. You probably know about that in Hollywood. They, when they make a movie, they show it to test audiences to get their reactions. And if the feedback is serious enough, they actually change the movie. To, according to the feedback. Sometimes that involves writing a whole new ending to the movie. And maybe that's what's happened here. It's a happy ending added to make the story of Jesus a much nicer story. Not at all. That is not the case. Think about it. If Jesus had stayed dead, he would still be receiving the wages our combined sins deserved, wouldn't he? the wages of sin is death. The reason death is in the world is because of our sin. The fact that he was raised on the third day demonstrates that our sin wages have now been taken away by him in full. No more wages are due. We are released completely from sin's penalty and Jesus is released from death. So Jesus had to rise from the grave once he had paid for sin. That was always the case. And the resurrection is the powerful assurance for us that we are indeed, all of us who hope in Jesus, we are indeed freed forever 
from sin's penalty. But there is more still to the resurrection. The Bible says here in um, that uh, here in uh, Colossians chapter three that we have been raised with Christ. Now let that sink in. All of us who have been entrusted, who have entrusted ourselves to Jesus, have ourselves been raised up with him. Notice what he says. It's not might be raised or will be raised at the last day. He doesn't say that, although that is true. But he says we have been raised. There's a puzzle. It's already happened. Everyone who depends on Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of their sins is already raised up. So look at chapter 3, verse 1. He says, since then, you have been raised with Christ. Now we say to ourselves, how is that? I'm still the same person, same ugly body, same annoying habits as I've always had. I'm hardly in heaven, as nice as this church is. It's hardly heaven. But how am I raised up then? He's saying that a person who entrusts himself to Jesus is changed. A new life has begun in them. That's what he's saying. And it's real. We may not feel any difference at all, but it's actually happened. Often others can tell that we've changed before we ourselves can can sense it. It's real. Before we were spiritually dead to God. That's the way the Bible speaks. We were just living our lives, but God says we were spiritually dead. Dead to his word. Dead to his spirit. It bounced off us without affecting us. But now we love God and his word and we want to do what God says. And so in chapter 3 verse 10, it says... We, and we and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge uh, uh, in the image of its creator. We have put on a new self. Do you see that? There's something new about us. And we are being renewed in knowledge. Now, why are we like this? How is God able to do this in us? The answer, which is the same as Friday, is Jesus. In Jesus, we have fullness. That's what we heard on Friday. And the answer is still the same today. Jesus has given us this new life. It's because we are now united to Jesus Christ. Just as I said I was united to Noreen on our wedding day, Anyone who puts their trust in Jesus alone to save them is united to Jesus Christ as well. What happens to Jesus happens to us. That's the way the Bible speaks. He died to sin and we have died to sin. He rose to a new life 
and we have risen to a new life in him. And this union with Jesus happened the moment we put our faith in him. To borrow a passage from Friday's um, section of the Bible in Colossians chapter 2, verses 11 and 12, listen to what it says. Your whole self, ruled by the flesh, was put off when you were circumcised by Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him. How? Through your faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. You see, as we trust Jesus, that what he did really was truly the working of God for us, As we do that, so we are circumcised and baptised, not in a surgery or in a church or anything like that, but with Jesus spiritually when he died. And we were also raised with him when he rose. In fact, Paul uses even stronger language in chapter 3, verse 3. He says, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. Not only does he mean there, of course, that we died in the sense of we turned our backs on our old life, but also something happened in us that caused us in our hearts to turn away from what our old life was to a new life. Something profoundly ended when we trusted Christ We died to an old way of life and more something profoundly new began. We were raised to a new life. We were united with Jesus. And right now, as Jesus is ascended and is at the right hand of the Father, Paul says we ourselves are there. He says we are hidden with Christ in God. Can you imagine a greater security than being hidden by, with Christ in God? We are safe, utterly, utterly safe. And what does the future hold? Chapter 3, verse 4 says, When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. We now have this astonishing future provided for us. When Jesus Christ returns, he will not come uh, as a humble suffering man. He will come instead in the glory of a mighty king who is Lord of all. And we will share gloriously with him in that moment. How that will happen, I don't know but we will appear with him when he comes. Now, I want to pause here and try and grasp this. Elon Musk is one of the richest men in the world. He's worth billions upon billions upon billions of dollars. He's planning to fly to Mars. He's already making some good headway in that direction. You might have heard uh, in the last few days he wants to buy Twitter outright. He's rich. 
as we say, he's filthy rich. Imagine waking up one day to discover a tweet that has come directly from uh, Elon Musk to you, saying that he has discovered that you, yes, you, are actually part of his close family. You didn't realise that. And so he says, all that he has is yours as well. And he wants to share everything, his wealth included with you. The prestige, the fabulous wealth is all yours along with him. Now you're united by him, with him, in this make-up little scenario. You're united with him apparently through a family bond. What would it mean? Uh, well, you wouldn't have to worry about another bill in your life. And every new ver version of the Tesla car that comes off the, the uh, production line, you get one for free. Now, what would it mean to your life if this was all true? I'm guessing it would take your, death, your breath away. You'd probably first check whether it was a spam Twitter. But when you find that it's a true Twitter tweet, then wow, you'd be blown away. But actually the Bible is saying here that something much better than an Elon Musk connection has happened to you. It's not a Musk make-believe. That was just spam. It's true, it's real. You are now united, bound to the king of heaven and earth, of all creation, the Lord of the universe. You are tied to him through Jesus and your great debt that had kept you out of heaven has now been paid in full by him. You are free of it, completely free of it. Eternity in joy is your future. And even more, because you are united to him through faith, you have been raised to a new life with a certain and sure expectation of sharing in a magnificent glory when all the time is wound up and the universe is brought to its end. You will be in glory beside him as his brothers and sisters. This is you. It's not spam. It's not something out of an African letter telling you you've won something magical. It's actually the reality that you have when you trusted Christ. That's what you came into. Everything Elon Musk has is going to disappear. One day he's going to be naked and alone before the throne of God. But you have in Christ are completely sure and secure and eternal future. Have you thought about that? Now, all that means we have to change. When I was united to Noreen in marriage, even if I couldn't remember the service at all, 
From that moment on, my life has had to change. I had to stop behaving like a single man. It took quite a few years, and I'm still struggling with it from time to time, but I had to stop it. I had new responsibilities and commitments for my new life. If you got that magical tweet from Elon Musk, life would change for you as well. An old way of life would need to change and a new life fitting to being a musketeer would, uh, would need to begin. And so it is for us now that we are united with Christ in his death and resurrection. We are to set our minds and our hearts on heavenly things. Look again at the verses, the first four verses. He says, since then you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Notice what he says. Since all this is true and so, since you have been raised, set your hearts, literally your desires, on heavenly things where Jesus is, your Jesus. Set your mind there rather than on earthly things. Up until the moment we turned to trust Christ, our whole life was immersed in the world. It was the way we used to live. It was the air we breathed. It was a life that would end in death and judgment. We didn't realise it. We were just having a good time but it was deadly. But now things have changed by be becoming united to Jesus. We are now to set our affections, our desires, our minds on what matters in heaven. He uses, again, strong language about this. He says we must put to death, we're to execute our, our earthly way of life. We're to treat it as if it's, it's dead and gone. And in verse 8, he says, we must rid ourselves of our earthliness as if we were taking off the old clothes of our sin. And in its place, we are to reclothe ourselves with the new clothes fitting to heaven. This is our work as those who have been saved by the Lord Jesus. It's not the way to be saved, it's the way we express the fact that we are saved by doing this. So what are we to put to death? You can see it there in verses five to 10. He says, let's look at it, put to death therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires and greed, which is idolatry. If you're into porn, stop it. Put it to death. That's the end. 
If you're flirting with someone you shouldn't be, put it to death. He says, you used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must also rid yourselves, the word there is to unclothe yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices. All this, all of these ways of life came from our earthly life, our sinful self. And what are we to reclothe ourselves with now? Look at verse 12. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with what? Compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues put on love which binds them together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you are called to peace and be thankful. Here is our new way of life, radically different to the old way of life, very different indeed. This is what we are to work with our minds at putting on, reclothing ourselves in those things. That is what our desires and affections are to be set upon. I'll leave you to read through those lists and ponder them for yourself. I do encourage you to do that perhaps later today. But what's the big message? The resurrection of Jesus is wonderfully important for every Christian, not because of church tradition, but because it actually changes the lives of every single person who entrusts themselves to Jesus. Is that you? Have you been united to Jesus Christ yet by trusting him? It's only by turning your life over to him that you can escape sin and death. Have you done that yet? If you will, a whole new and wonderful life will begin for you. It'll be hard too, but gloriously wonderful. When I was united to Noreen in marriage, a powerful change took place in my life, whether I wanted it or not. And to make my marriage all that it was intended to be has meant setting my mind and setting my desire on living as a good husband and attending to my, 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 with my mind to that work. In the same way, Becoming united to Jesus through trusting him and his death and resurrection 
even more powerfully changes us from the inside out. It changes our very lives. It changes our future. Something new begins in us through his resurrection. And so I am now to set my mind on living according to what's in heaven and what's awaiting me in the community of the people of God in heaven rather than what's on earth. Let's pray. Father in heaven, what a magnificent thing you've done in raising the Lord Jesus from the dead, giving us the sure and certain hope of our own resurrection to come, but also declaring the resurrection that a power that is already at work in us. So help us, Heavenly Father, to live new lives, to set our minds on the things of heaven rather than the things of this world. Teach our hearts to be less and less worldly and more driven by what is important in heaven. And we pray for your strength to do that and we thank you for your Holy Spirit who lives in us to help us to change. And we pray that we might glorify you day by day as we learn to live your way and put off the world's way. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.